Welcome to another episode of The End with Adam. You've reached the end here with me. Uh, welcome again to another episode. And I'm very happy for this past uh, couple of days. I hope you enjoyed that little mini-series that I did, Rolling in a Series. Uh, where that came from and why I did it, I'll talk a little bit about uh, in just a second. But first, I wanted to uh, go ahead and remind everyone to make sure that you're subscribing and sharing this with your friends and talking to people about it. That's sort of the way the podcast moves. So if you enjoy this right now at this point, all I can ask is that you let other people know about this podcast because, hey, I'm starting from scratch, you know. Um, I've been doing podcasting for quite some time. Um, I, I dabbled with it in college. That's really when I found a love for it was when I was in college. And I found different venues and different avenues to put out podcasts. And I've done a lot of different kinds of projects. But this one has been a very personal one for me. And it's going to only get more personal as it goes on. As I explore, you know, things in my life more deeply with you guys and share very intimate things with you guys. Because uh, that's the point of this podcast is, is to get there with with um, with you, my, my listeners. And to open up and to really tell you uh, what my experiences were and what you could possibly learn from them or what you could relate to. I'm not trying to be a teacher standing up on a hill, for Christ's sakes, all the time. I'm more just trying to relate and bring something fun to the table every once in a while if I can manage it. So that's my uh, cold intro here. I'm trying to make sure that I don't do the ums and the yes and the likes because... I've been listening to some of my first couple episodes that I've been recording recently, and the, the number of times I've been saying like and the number of times I've been saying um, it would have sounded like I just started podcasting yesterday. And sometimes I feel like that. I feel like this might, <laughs> this show is sort of revealing to me how little I, how little I actually know about professional broadcasting and what that might take. Uh, so you'll excuse me if there's this sort of adjustment in quality as this podcast moves forward. Uh, I, I must have, for some reason, thought I was better at this <laughs> than I actually am. Uh, so thank you for that, uh, and thank you for listening. And now I think I'm going to get into some of the other stuff that I wanted to talk about today. So... Uh, this past weekend was uh, Thanksgiving weekend. I had two days off of work at Thanksgiving Day, of course, and uh, I had the Friday off and, and then, you know, rolling into a, a long weekend, so a three-day weekend. I was sitting in bed uh, the night of Thanksgiving. I'd had a great meal with my family. Everything was good. Um, the food was great. It was great to be with my parents. It was great to be at home. Uh, I was with my, my sister was home. It was a very small, intimate Thanksgiving. We didn't do a big one this year. Um, and we haven't done a big one, I think, in, in a little while. But, you know, as you as you get older, you, you experience so many different kinds of Thanksgivings. Like, you know, there, you can't pick just one that you, you might find special. You know, you can find something special about any sort of Thanksgiving. Um, the ones that you spent with your friends when you were in college you were away from your parents and you had to walk, you know, into the other room and talk to them for however long you had. And then, you know, FaceTime, the, you know, a bunch of cousins and uncles and parents and, and, and or, I'm sorry, grandparents and people like that. And uh, that's, that was sort of 
those kinds of Thanksgivings too had, had a sort of special quality to it too because you weren't near your family for the first time. And uh, for a lot of people, if you ha had the blessing of having a lot of family, you know, adjusting to that, in some ways, it can feel very liberating. I know for me, I was definitely excited to have my first Thanksgiving, like, away from my parents, away from my family, where I could feel like I was an adult. I was, I remember I was 19, yeah, I had to been 18 or 19, I was a freshman in college, my friend at the time, still good friend, won't name him, <clears throat> um, he's, he's been on this podcast before, but there's just no, no, it's not necessary to name him for this story. Uh, my friend at the time, he was there with me. We had, we weren't roommates yet. We were just uh, bros. We we're both black dudes from Maryland, and we were living in New Orleans, Louisiana, and we just linked up that way. I mean, literally, uh, my one white friend from California, shouts out to Jake Erlinson. If you listen to this podcast, shouts out. That's my boy from Venice Beach. Um, he, he introduced me to my other friend, uh, the fellow that was going to accompany me in this story, literally just by saying, oh, hey, I know another black kid from Maryland. Um, do you want me to introduce you to him? And I was like, fuck yeah. And I mean, we linked up just like that. And the next thing you know, we're hanging out constantly and we just got along. And it's been like that ever since. You know, we've it's a very special kind of friendship that I think uh, a lot of men can understand where you just kind of get the other person and they get you. you. You learn about them over time, of course. And you guys kind of grow and change and all that stuff. But that initial meeting when there really isn't enough, you really don't have enough information to make a good judgment call on somebody, but you do anyways, you give them the benefit of the doubt. And you're like, you know what, you're enough like me, that I'm gonna pretty much go ahead and say that you're a cool person. And let's just start hanging out and see how it goes. I think that's so special. And I really love those kinds of moments and meeting people in that way. Uh, but it, it seemed to happen a lot more when you were, you know, younger, of course, and in college. But that was a digression from another digression, which was getting into this story about um, my first Thanksgiving away from home. Uh, and I went with this friend um, and two girls that we were just friends with. Uh, we would all get drunk together in their uh, dorm room. I don't know why we would use their Oh, I think, okay, here's what it was. So y girls actually put things in their dorms to make their dorms uh, comfortable and cool and like uh, actually like homes. I'm saying like, you, you catching me? You, you're seeing that? It's because I'm thinking while I'm talking and I didn't write any of this down. So I have to actually adjust and manifest what I'm, th what I'm saying as I'm saying it. Uh, the thing about girls' rooms is they were genuinely... Uh, homey so we were always in these two girls uh they were roommates rooms uh and that's where we would pre-game pre sometimes we wouldn't even go out we would just hang out there maybe like go from one to one place but at that time we were 18 i don't think all of us even had fake ids yet so this was very very early in my time in new orleans i did not i did not know the city this is before uber so in order for us to get to where we were going to have our thanksgiving dinner we actually found a place that was open, a restaurant, because there was no way we were going to cook Thanksgiving dinner um, in dorm room kitchens. I mean, if anybody here can remember what dorm room kitchens were like and the just utter lack of cleanliness or any of the actual things you would need, we would have had to have bought basically a kitchen, a kitchen's worth of supplies to make that one dinner other, rather than just go to a restaurant. So that was what we decided to do. We 
booked a place, made a reservation. Really nice upscale restaurant downtown. We had to get, catch a taxi, and at the time it was Liberty Cabs. I think that was the main cab in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, it was Liberty Taxi, I believe. And they were horrible. It was a horrible service. You'd call them. They were always busy. Uh, you'd get somebody on the line, operator. They'd tell you there's a person 25 minutes away. You'd wait for an hour. Nobody would show up. You'd call again. They'd tell you another time. And that was a lot of the time that I spent, actually, <laughs> when I think about it in my first year there, was all of us huddled around complaining about when the next taxi was coming to take us to the next place we had to go. Um, so we're doing that in the parking garage uh, right before we're about to leave. We're all dressed up. We, you know, I put on my nice collared shirt, put on a nice, you know, uh, outfit. My other boy was dressed fresh, just fresh as hell. Uh, the two girls, they looked really uh, beautiful. Everybody just kind of, we wanted to make it a, a special day, and uh, it, it was. The food, it was like a three-course, you know, very... Uh, you know, regimented kind of meal that we had when we went there. Uh, like, when you go to those fancier restaurants, I'm sure there's a word for it. Maybe it's like a style, like French style uh, of service where, you know, you get, they give you maybe a small appetizer first, let you try a few different dishes, and then you get your main course, and then, you know, a dessert uh, menu afterwards. So that was kind of how we were treated there. Just great seating, great lighting. I think the place is still open. Check it out if you ever go to New Orleans. It's, I mean, really uh, easy access, not off the beaten path. Um, I'm not telling you to go to some dive bar or some shack somewhere. This is right on Canal Street, I believe, uh, downtown in New Orleans, right near all the hotels. I think it's connected to the Roosevelt, Roosevelt Hotel, actually, I believe, or inside of it, rather. So if you ever, you know, find yourself even on a like a stopover in New Orleans where you got to be there for one night um, and you got a little bit of extra money to spend, Domenica, downtown, they'll treat you right there. Good people. Anyways, now that I've given them a plug for no reason, um, let me get back to my story. <laughs> so uh, we have some good food. They had like oxtail and like some other different things, but like prepared differently, like not Jamaican style they, they i think they like deep fried it or something it was bizarre but somehow a spectacular food experience we had you know other stuff small like cornish hens and chickens and then we had like a nice desserts i think some kind of ice cream situation i don't really i don't really remember the details but we had it i remember talking to my my parents gave me the money by the way i had no i was in i was a 19 year old that was in college i, I had no money so my, my mom had to kick up like i think she gave me like 90 bucks was my budget for this dinner so i was like oh my god I, that's for at the time and still that's like hey for a dinner 90 dollars i let's go crazy so um we did we had a crazy good dinner and then uh, we went back to the dorms and got completely fucked up, I'm sure. I, I don't really remember the details because, like I said, it, it was very early in the in my epoch in New Orleans. And it was a very different time in my life. Like, the world was actually different then. Uh, this had to have been 2014, 2015. This was prior to me going to Europe. This is prior to me getting into podcasting in any way or knowing what podcasting was. This is before so many things and features of my personality that I live with today had materialized. I believe that that time when I was 18, 19 was really the last days of my childhood. 
and I was truly exiting that world of being a kitty kid. Like there's like two, there's like three levels of being a kid, right? There's like a child, right? Like a true child under 16. You're a child. And then there's like a kid. A kid is like probably 17 to 20. That's a kid, right? Or kitty kid, sorry. Kitty kid is 17 to 20. And then 20 to like 25, you're still a kid, basically. You're, you're, you're almost an adult. Like right now, at 26, I can start to feel what adulthood is going to look like. I'm not in adulthood yet, but I can at least see what it's going to entail. If I roll back the clock to kitty kid time when I was 18, zero idea. So I think about that, and I also think about my arrogance, of course, at the time, and how much I thought I knew about the world, and how much, how how confident I was. I mean, I just, and it, and it wasn't, because sometimes it didn't express itself as a toxic thing. I was, I was an informational guy. I liked to watch movies and to read and to explore ideas and have conversations with people. And as a result of that, I would be, I was a, some, somewhat of a talkative guy. I would like to start conversations with strangers and, you know, understand people and learn possibly uh, someone's story so that I can then steal it and tell it and sell it as my own. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the time that was really demarked, like, the watermark between 19 and 20, I look at that Thanksgiving as being sort of the last time I, pl- I like, play-acted what I thought an adult would do. Like, I thought, okay, I'm 18, I'm a grown-up now. I want to go do something special with my friends, and I have, like, pretend adult money for one night. Because that, by the way, that was $90, and that was all the money I had. I was eating off of my meal plan at my school, and I was sleeping in the dorms. So in terms of money in my actual wallet, uh, I had zero after I spent that 90 So isn't that funny? Um, But anyways, uh, it's just crazy how little money I used to live off of. I mean, how little money I still sometimes have to live off of uh, from time to time. You know, things can get bad. It's a cold world out there, guys. It's getting colder. But anyways, um, I, uh, I think about that play acting of, wow, I'm, I'm doing something without my parents with two girls and, you know, my friend and we're out here. We look great. I mean, we looked like there's a picture of us that I, that I still have on my Instagram. I never, I'll never delete this photo. I've deleted a lot of pictures off my Instagram. In fact, I deleted most of the photographs of my, of me, um, in Los Angeles, because for me, that was actually a very bad time. And I, and I wanted to sort of any kind of physical representation of that time. I wanted to sort of erase and reject as not, I not, I didn't want them to be public statements of, of me. And it was when I was recording the first season of this podcast, and it was when I was going through a lot of things that we'll get into later. But getting back to my story, uh, I was always uh, so I was always so happy in those moments when I was younger, where I got to do those little these these little game gameish type of. Uh, experiences you know where you take a girl out on a date for the first time or something you get to wear a a collared shirt 
you know, and and you and you put on cologne or whatever. You make sure you smell good, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing this more often because I'm getting older, you know, you know. And then after a while, when it becomes normal, I, I want to fast forward to let me think of another Thanksgiving, because I think from that point on, I think I only did Thanksgiving back in New Orleans one other time. I would get out of there for Thanksgiving almost every other time. But I want to say the next time I, I did Thanksgiving there, it was when I was living in off of uh, St. Charles Avenue. For people who are listening who know about New Orleans, you're not going to believe where I lived. You won't believe this. I'll tell you right now. I won't give you the exact address, obviously. But I'll tell you. If you know where St. George's Episcopal Church is, I literally lived across, like down in that street, on that street. Uh, so what I may, what I mean to say is it was an absolutely stunning and gorgeous place and the, one of the most beautiful uh, houses that I've ever lived in. I, l- I was lucky enough to get to live there for dirt cheap uh, because I had an arrangement with the uh, landlord who was just literally one of my uh, friends from college who had inherited the house from her parents and it was their it was her parents' summer home and uh, she just wanted roommates and paid and charged us basically nothing almost a a joke charge i mean i'm sure she wasn't making any actual money off of us and uh we all had a thanksgiving together i believe her parents had come down and cooked i believe this is how that how this transpired and i don't even think i like really ate thanksgiving dinner i think i was like man well Oh yeah, no. This is what I was working on. I was working in production, so I think I only had that one day off or something like that. And uh, oh God, no! You know what I did? No, this is what actually happened that year. No, this is what actually happened, guys. I'm sorry. I was about to tell you a two halves of a, sto- a story that were two separate uh, memories that I was splicing together. So I caught myself there. Um, no, this is what happened. I went from working 14-hour shifts as a producer's assistant to um, a, a pretty uh, successful producer who I won't also will not name ever on this podcast. Uh, and I was I was definitely getting my ass kicked on that job. That was the hardest job to this day still that I've ever taken. Uh, it really taught me what's worth, what money's worth, uh, you know, how much my time is worth, how much, uh, how hard people really work to get something done, something as simple as a really bad movie, which was what they were making, like a really not good movie for, from a, with a, a C-plus script, and somehow it had seven million, or however, however many millions of dollars, and uh, a very prominent, I won't, who I also will not name, but very prominent actress who you've all seen in multiple movies, who was their principal actress, who's basically carrying the film. Um, her, the, the number two uh, actor, the love interest, with the guy was like, I mean, he, he's like a B, like, I mean, he's, he, he's definitely got other gigs that have helped him out, but he's not a big time actor, not in the way that the, the, mean, the, the main uh, actress was. So it was, uh, it was a horrifyingly harsh experience. It was truly, truly one of the times in my life I can say where I was almost losing my 
like my grounding in reality by how much the effects of stress, sleeplessness, drug use, alcohol use uh, had all kind of con- uh, crystallized into creating this almost impenetrable wall between me and any sort of happiness or consistent feeling of of groundedness i was so wild with my thoughts and actions of course 14 hours out of the day i was not like that i was on set working never came onto the job drunk or high i couldn't i wouldn't function i would i would it was it was too hard and i cared about it too much to want to uh to want to fuck it up by coming there on drugs or something. So I'm talking about the other 12 hours of the day, that 12 hours where eight of it you should be sleeping. Um, those times of the day, I was out partying, and New Orleans is a 24-hour city. There was always something going on. I would get, I'd do my shift like maybe six. I'd probably get up five because I got to be on set before my producer. So I'd get up five, drive 45 minutes to wherever they were shooting that day, um, park my shit, get everything ready. So I'd probably start actually working around six, and then I would usually be leaving set most days somewhere around eight or nine. Ten o'clock, we pushed a couple nights to like 11, 12. There were a few nights there where they, they had to push things. And of course, there are night shoots as well. There's times where you just have to shoot at night. Um, so you start later in the day, and you literally shoot throughout the night. So, you know, your, your, your night and day schedule gets completely destroyed and anybody who's gone through that um knows how when you mess with your circadian rhythm how hard it is to get it back and how damaging it can be to your mental state and i say all of this to say that my thanksgiving that year was during that period of time um also during that period of time was my first short film that i was ever going to that I've ever made at this point and um, that I had been gearing up to make for about a year. or We were doing about a year's worth of preparation and getting the resources together to make what was essentially a six-page silent film that I'd written um, that uh, I wanted to produce and, and direct. Uh, I actually originally didn't want to direct it. I wanted my friend who was produ- helping me produce it direct it, and I wanted to stay behind as the writer. I don't like directing. Well, I thought I didn't before. I I didn't think I would enjoy it. I I didn't want that much responsibility, uh, to be quite honest. I was like, geez, that seems like a hard job, and it looks fun if you accomplish it, but I'm not going to waste all these people's resources and time if I don't know a bunch of technical little things that I didn't know. The only technical things that I was proficient at were writing, because that was what I was trained in. That was what I went to college for. But anyways, um, I, through some, uh, scheduling issues, he actually ended up moving to Los Angeles before we could get started shooting the film with the only time we could find to get the film done would be the three day weekend that we're, that everyone is compulsorily given for Thanksgiving. You're always given that Friday off and the Saturday and all that stuff. Um, I think we had to work Saturday, I believe, and they had to pay us extra that time, uh, because they needed to stay on schedule. But, um, but anyways, I, I did have two days off. I had Thanksgiving Day, and I had Friday, and I had Saturday off. So Friday and Saturday, I had to shoot my movie. And Thursday, I had to catch a flight from 
New Orleans to Orlando, Florida, and a flight back the same day because I had to be there for the shooting of my my movie before 6 a.m. Our call time for my short film was 6 a.m. on Friday morning. And I told my parents this, and I said, listen, I'm going to be flying back and forth that same day. That's the only way that this is going to work if you guys want me to come to this Thanksgiving. And they're like, okay, well, it would mean a lot to us. You know, your grandmother's getting older. It's on my father's side. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. I was so absolutely depleted and in, 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 uh, intoxicated from the just the amount of drugs and alcohol that I'd been consuming and the amount of sleeplessness that I'd been experiencing that um, I, I don't remember the Thanksgiving. I don't remember if the food was good. I don't remember talking to anyone. I just remember going into a house with a bunch of people that were my family I remember eating some food and I remember laying down in a room on a bed for like four hours sleeping. Then I wake up and then it's already time for me to kind of start heading back to the airport and I have maybe one or two good conversations with people, but I was really not in the shape and it was truly, and I truly feel horrible about it, but I was, I was just not, uh, able to keep myself together in a, in a respectful way. I mean, I didn't do anything you know, I didn't shout at anybody. I'm not, I wasn't like a crazy, I didn't run in there like, hey, what's going on, motherfucker? No, 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 none, none of that shit. I just, well, I just wasn't present, you know. I, w- I wasn't actually there to experience time with my family. I felt like I was being forced to do it. And when I came there, it was very casual. Nobody was, I didn't, I didn't even have to have gone. When I went, I was like, oh, man, I... I should have really petitioned to not do this. I didn't have to do this to myself, even though, of course, you know, you want to spend as much time with your family as you can. Um, there are some times, and I can, I, I think I can say that that time in my life was a time where I should have called stop and said, hey, I am in not, not in the best shape to go to on a, plan, a you know, one-day trip to Orlando right now. Um, I got to figure some things out. I have some things I have to work on. You know, I should have had that conversation, but I was 22, I believe, turning 23. I was making more money at that assisting job than I had ever made in my life, um, and uh, even though it was hell, um, but it was just a constant inflow of cash. We were getting paid every week, not every two weeks like most corporations. It was just, you know, you, it really kept you hooked, and it really kept you working uh and, and wanting to go on to set, like as horrifying as that experience was because of so many things. And I'll talk about it in, in more detail in, uh, at another point. But uh, one of the things about it is, you know, you're you're constantly, constantly uh, in this and it can it can really it, it, and I don't think I've ever dropped this, but you're in this constant state of like mild panic because you think you may have forgotten something like i'll give you an example there's a sort of a checklist as any assistant will know um when you work with people who are work for not with for people that are for the most part uh enraptured with some sort of i'm trying to find a way to say this in in, in a way that doesn't sound too ridiculous but really gets my point across. You work for people that have reached a certain point of success in their life where they have become 
their own sort of gods to themselves. They think of themselves as um, sort of special and therefore uh, sort of needing of special attention and special care. Um, and they will express that in different ways because I've been an assistant to different people that have this personality type but just are expressing it in a different way. Um, but they all are like this. And I think almost it's a requirement of success. You have to truly, it, it can't be something that you fake. You have to actually be monomaniacal, like fo highly, highly focused on one thing. And that thing has to be your success and you, tur you know, turning over a dollar and making that dollar into two dollars. If that is what is in, if that is what you are focused on, hyper focused on, is making money and making productions work, you're going to become a certain kind of person when you when you're like that, and uh, when you are an assistant to someone like that, you're basically backing you're basically doing all of the stuff that they don't want to be bothered with because they're job is too important for them to be bothered with tiny menial things. I'll give you some examples like laundry, uh, food, um, you know, setting up flights or booking uh, re reservations for rooms, doing any kind of background research as to, you know, what restaurants might be 20 feet from you. Uh, anything that might require uh, any level of five seconds of doing something for yourself that's what you have an assistant for and that's what you get paid for as an assistant to, is to be is to just basically be an extension of that other person's life and be there checking the boxes and making sure they have done all the things that they wanted to do that day oh god i'm sorry that that happens oh man that that sucks i'm sorry guys but anyways um man this is a long segment I've, i think i've talked for 30 minutes on this one on this one segment alone. But anyways, uh, the biggest uh, sort of impact that you feel working in that kind of environment is this low level panic all the time that you may have missed something that that person told you to do or asked you for prior. So, uh, you know, I regularly get calls and text messages uh, at bizarre hours like, you know, uh, I'll give you and nothing, nothing that you guys are, I think in your mind are putting out or probably putting into thinking that this is the story is going to go one way, but it's actually not. And you're going to be disappointed. The way that the story is going to go is like this. I would get calls and text messages at random times of night with messages like somewhat like a, a writ, written the, the, the sentence written, be consistent, be consistent be consistent over and over and over again, like pages and pages of it. I would wake up to that or be woken up by it as my phone would be right next to my fucking head while I was sleeping. Um, and I would get that text at like 3 a.m. and it'd be for my producer. Be consistent, be consistent, be consistent, be consistent. So little psychological shit like that. Um, uh, the, another cool, fun game that they would like to do is uh, do, ask you to do something impossible. Basically, go. he would say, go over to that producer and tell him that he can't have something because I, you know, and don't give him a reason why, just tell him that he can't do the specific thing that he wants to go do. 
And you know that you have no authority to do, to do that, but your producer just told you to go do that. So you, you know, basically get hazed uh, is, is the best way to describe it by, you know, doing these sort of impossible tasks and kind of having to um, f- get the courage to kind of stomach some, uh, deal, tolerating a lot of bullshit. And uh, that was what I did. That was what I did for, um, for I think it was like uh, uh, 1100 bucks a, m- a week. Plus, like, he would, you know, tip me like a couple hundred bucks because he would always, you know, just leave his car places or not park correctly or just not feel like parking. So if we would get close enough to somewhere, I would park my car first and then he would leave his car wherever and I would go grab it and then I'd go park it. Um, and then he'd usually throw me like 200 bucks for, for just for doing that, which to me was a lot of money at that time. So I was walking home with $200 in my pocket and 1100 coming in every week and my rent was ridiculously low. So I had a very large margin of, you know, sort of money to spend, but I had no time. I had zero time. So I'd spend all my time basically on set and then I'd come home and uh, I would basically either be walking into a party that people would, like a pregame or, or, or whatever was happening at the house, or I would be going home, changing, taking a shower, and then getting, going right back out, uh, you know, grabbing some liquor or, or wine, or, or um, at that time I wasn't really drinking a lot of beer, and I would grab that, and then I would head out um, to wherever I was meeting friends. And then I'd par- party till about 3 or 4 a.m. That was usually my last call. I didn't like to see morning light. That's something, even to this day, is truly a sickening feeling to me. Even talking about it makes me um, makes me anxious. Is that sort of blue-tinted uh, sky of like 4.30 in the morning, 4.52 a.m. in the morning. You're just kind of like, fuck I, I should really should like unless you're doing something that is once in a lifetime amazing what you're really thinking at 4:52 a.m. with a belly full of alcohol and cigarette smoke coming out of your mouth is like why am I still awake right now now my whole next day is ruined and now I'm going to be hungover for you know two a, a day and a half probably will take for me to get to get over what I just did to myself and uh, I would try to minimize those nights, and I would typically have to minimize them so that I could actually get up and go back to work. But a lot of times I get you know three hours of sleep in between, and that was my that was my real uh, run. But you only get one of those, I think, as a, as a, as a human. You know, we're, we we don't we break down. You know, we don't get um, we don't get to have a very long season of of being uh, as vir- you know virile as we like to be, we, we definitely get a, a good, especially, you know, healthy, genetic, healthy males. We, we, de- we definitely get a good time of doing it. And I'm definitely still, you know, able to work at a high capacity at a high rate. But when I was 22, 23, I was pretty much in like invincible. I mean, uh, physically I could withstand, uh, you know, days of no sleep, driving 45 minutes, being completely coherent throughout all of it, 
like not nodding off while I'm sleeping or while I'm driving, you know, to to and from set. And that never happened one time. I was always wide awake. You know, I was never I never get felt sluggish or tired when I was on set. I was always, you know, I had pep in my step. Was, you know, I would drink coffee sometimes if I needed it. But I was I was ready to go. You know, I was I was there to, to, to work. Uh, so I think about that time in my life and that Thanksgiving and I think about the time that's passed since and how far have I really come as a person since that experience and I don't know if I've really come very far um I've done a lot of different things I've been to a lot of new places uh but did I ever lose that low hum of panic that I gained during that time of, did I forget something? Is something wrong? Did I, did that ever go away? Or is that still with me? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it is. Sometimes I don't know. Um, but if you're somebody who has had experiences like that, that you think about years later and they still can feel as real to you as, as if they happened yesterday, then you can completely understand where I'm coming from. Uh, and taking these little times in our lives to reflect on what may have happened a few years prior uh, kind of brings up a lot of those moments that, that sort of when you remember them. So that's what I wanted to talk about in this segment uh, was a couple different Thanksgivings and how they kind of marked different points in my life. So I hope I did a good job of that and I hope I didn't bore you to death or whatever. And I'm also going to stop apologizing. If if you don't like it, you won't listen. So um, that's just how it is. You get what you get, guys. Love you. Hey, so just starting to get to my Detroit story here. Um, I had a good time over the weekend. Funny how I had to go all the way back in the past to get to talking about. I had to go back two, three years. Um and then even before that, I had to go back to being 18 again before I could go to talking about what happened two days ago. Um, but last, here we are at the last section of this podcast where I'm going to talk about um, this past weekend. Uh, it was definitely, you know, something that I'd done before. Um, I, I take, you know, short little trips, two-day trips sometimes um, to cities near me. I don't like to like get on planes for this. If I'm going to get on a plane, I, I want to be somewhere for at least like three nights minimum. But if it's two nights somewhere, I can, it can be like a nearby city or somewhere I can drive to. And I'll just kind of camp out, do something creative, you know, or check out a new place and just kind of be, uh, you know, somewhere different for a second. Uh, so that's what I decided to do. I went to the, uh, I went to a really, really nice kind of extended stay. It wasn't really a hotel. It was a very weird um, kind of situation. It was tenants that lived in, in this apartment, and then also they had apartments that they were renting out, like, you know, condo, basically, units uh, that were basically like Airbnbs. Uh, so I was staying in one of those. It was right in Grand Circus Park uh, in Detroit, right near downtown, like walkable to, to Campus Martius, which is the center of downtown if you look at a map of detroit um when i mean downtown i mean right up against the river um where all those big buildings are um 
that was where I was staying. Um, and it was, it was a beautiful experience. I definitely enjoyed the first night. Um, I had a friend uh, come by and we took some promotional pictures and I hope you enjoyed that. If you're listening to this podcast because of those pictures, if those pictures were, you know, fun or, you know, cool, thank you for, uh, you know, uh, being a fan of that, enjoying that kind of aesthetic. I like to have fun with, you know, my promotion of this podcast. And I like to kind of keep it as mysterious as I can, but as fun as I can, because, um, you know, we do talk about some heavy stuff here and I like to balance that out a little bit. Uh, so my, my, my Instagram is sort of a reflection of both of those sides of this podcast where the one end it's quite, it can be quite heavy at times, but on the other hand, at the end of the day, we're st- I'm still trying to entertain you guys. We're not doing a group therapy session here. That's what group therapy's for, which I highly recommend. Um, anyways, uh, the the time I spent there, um, I recorded the Rolling in a Series uh, series, like mini series, which focused on uh, some time I spent in New Orleans and some of the uh, lessons I learned uh, out there. And then the other episode was just a more general, uh, more like this kind of episode uh, that wasn't just focused on one story. Um, and I did, I, I, I did this, you know, throughout the course of, uh, you know, a two-day period. And I think I may have recorded both episodes in one day. Yeah, I recorded both episodes in one day because I just wanted to keep myself busy. And, I, and it was snowing. It was 20 degrees outside. I, I mean, I, I did still take walks. I, I brought my, you know, I got, had a real nice north face. So I was warm as shit. It really didn't bother me. Like, you know, I, I know how to deal with the cold. So, um, but still, you know, if you, if you can get inside, it kind of makes sense to spend as much time as you can inside and then kind of only really go out, you know, for a quick walk or to grab some food or to, you know, pick up something from the store that was nearby, uh, but not a lot of just hanging out in, you know, in the park nearby or something like that. It's just, just not the weather for the, for it. Um, and this, this is the first snow actually, um, that I've seen fall in a couple of years that I've actually been here for the seasonal change from summer to fall and into the beginning of winter, which is what we're beginning now. But, um, I, I wanted to spend the weekend down in the city just to be around human beings and sort of experience not too much nightlife. Like I didn't want to do a lot of bar hopping, but um, I actually got a recommendation to a great spot that I went to both nights and had two separately separate, you know, fun experiences in the same place, which for me is 10 out of 10. You don't even like for me, I don't need to see four clubs in one night just take me to the best one and let's stay there for five hours. You know, I can, I can hang out somewhere if it's fun and the music's good and the people are interesting, which I got to give it to Detroit. It has all three of those things, um, at a very low cost, uh, in comparison to other cities. I mean, going, going out to New, going out in New York is probably the best experience you can have, you know, going out, uh, as a young person, uh, going out like in the summertime in New York is a very special thing. You do, you do have fun experiences. Um, going out in other cities, New Orleans, very specific, but still, you know, it, it, it can be very fun uh, and very unique. Um, going out in L.A. is not very fun, I have to say. I, I, I did go out, you know, people will say, oh, you were only there a year or two years or a year and a half or whatever. 
Listen, guys, it's not that, I mean, I've, I've moved around a lot. I've seen a lot of places, and I can honestly judge L.A. without rose-colored glasses and tell you that it, it was the city of L.A. itself. I'll be careful about how I say this, because I do actually like some aspects of L.A., but the city of L.A. proper itself, where I lived, um, was truly nightmarish uh, at the time that I was there. I mean, absolutely disgusting. And the nightlife, although it's at times could be fun, um, had that sort of reflection of a decaying culture that we were standing in, which was what I what I felt and what we all felt being in it. Um, you know, the hipster thing is kind of over, you know, and there's nowhere else to go. There's no new thing, fad for people to be. Uh, so when you're out and people are trying to be cool, it's like, they're not even sure what cool is anymore. It was a very confusing time for people who really try to be cool. Um, and that's kind of what made going out in LA just, you know, always kind of a, a, a grab bag. You weren't sure if you were going to have a good night. Cause you, you know, if you're going out and hanging out with just your boys, like it's always going to be fun to an extent, but a real night is meeting people, right? A real night is experiencing something new or meeting girls and, and and having a fun time with them and in LA like yeah you could you would meet girls and all that stuff but in terms of link you know networking and meeting new people the the bar going out scene doesn't seem like to me the place where you do that I guess there's somewhere else that people link up and, and network in LA and I just wasn't you know cool enough to get into those spaces that that could totally be it and I can understand I'm a complete nobody who only who probably knows one marginally famous person and he, even he couldn't you know help me out so you know that that just goes to show it's it's a long road folks but um the the experiences that I had in Detroit and that I've always had in Detroit have been consistently fun even when Detroit itself was just getting itself back together after it completely went bankrupt. Um, for those of you that know, uh, Detroit uniquely was the only city in America to completely default and have to basically restart itself. Um, the, like it, it cor corroded to such an extent uh, in the mid two thousands that there was you know no police officers really in the, patrolling the city. There was you know forty five minute waits for ambulances and things like that. Uh, it was it, it was incredibly um, uh, just devastated by uh, economic depression. Um, fast forward now, we're in 2021, and I experienced for the first time a truly thriving new Detroit. Like, the old buildings have been hollowed out and redesigned, and they've kept the, the majesty and pre presence of the old sort of 1950s Art Deco architecture of Detroit they've preserved that and or they've you know made more sort of new restorations of it and built in in these spaces you know places for commerce like restaurants uh places for uh store storefronts and things like that like just places to to check out and look into and uh there was a lot of interesting kinds of restaurants and kinds of bars and other types of experiences that were very, you know, unique. People were trying out new ideas uh, of, of how to experience nightlife. And uh, uh, I think it, it shows, you know, Detroit's always been a center of innovation. You know, it's, it's where a lot of the things that we enjoy and look at as, as sort of everyday or even sort of global things um, 
started it actually in Detroit. And, you know, those of you that know the history of that, no, I don't want to really, really want to go into it. But, um, I, uh, I got to see a, a real thriving city that that's near me. So that, that kind of livened my spirit. So I was like, okay, the people are co- coming out in the winter time to go down to de- downtown Detroit and have, you know, have dinner with their families and have fun. You know, five years ago, people were not going downtown with their families to have dinner in Detroit in, in the middle of winter or summer, <laughs> you know, either they'd go to Royal Oak, they'd go to Ferndale, they'd go to uh, Ann Arbor, but they wouldn't go to Detroit. I'm seeing now people are, are making that that uh, move to really give that area the, the support and the, the foot traffic that it needs to, to stay alive. And uh, and for good reason, you know, like it, it, there's actually good stuff to do out there and to see it and to, to eat and to drink and to hear. There's good, great music at every place. That's another amazing thing about it is like you can go to a hole in the wall, you know, bar or just like a random place. And whoever is make whoever is in charge of the music is doing an amazing job of mixing like house, classic hip hop, uh, maybe a little bit. They throw some industrial in there. You know, they'll hit, they'll they'll hit you with like some classic, you know, uh, 90s uh, R&B type stuff, you know, and then go back to maybe some some like house like they, you've got turntablists everywhere, everywhere, all over that city that are spectacular. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of study where like one in every five people in Detroit or one in every 12 people in Detroit is like uh, like, uh, you know, a, a proficient turntablist and DJ. I wouldn't even be surprised because there's just that many people who are music minded and have good ears for for listening to to good melodies and good sounds. So that in itself brings a huge element right to going out um, that I can't say for many cities. A lot of cities have trash music when you walk into their clubs or their bars or restaurants or storefronts or coffee shops. It's whatever's on the radio or it's whatever Billboard Top 100, or it's somebody's stupid-ass Spotify playlist and they think they're cool. It's never something that's like, you actually want to stop and just listen to it, you know? It's just background music that just fills up the air. But in Detroit, you really feel the spirit of whoever um, put it together, and it's always kind of a positive feeling, a positive vibe. Um, so yeah, I would I would I would recommend Detroit for anybody that wants to go. Um, and I would say, to to go in any any season. I was not expecting to see what I saw this time. So, um, definitely would recommend, and I think that everybody should should check it out. Uh, as far as the episodes that I recorded went when I went there, I was trying to do some some more fun, a little bit faster paced kind of episodes, uh, and they were shorter too because. I wanted them to kind of be like these little quick uh, snapshots that I could give out uh, real, real fast, you know, sort of I, I published them the same day that I recorded them. Very little editing. I just wanted to put out some content for you guys and, and you know, use use the time, the the sort of uh, free space that I had in that in that um, apartment that I had rented to really just speak freely and, and kind of get get things off my chest. And uh I really hope that that was entertaining for you and that those stories, you know, were fun or brought you any kind of joy. Um, I hope, you know, nobody felt disrespected or, or felt, uh, you know, any, any kind of way. There's, there's no negative, you know, vibes coming from these stories that I tell. They're just what happened and how I felt at the time. 
and I'm always trying to loop it back into something positive so that I can bring something out of it that actually justifies me telling the story in the first place, right? Otherwise, I'm just talking for the sake of talking, right? There's got to be an actual point to why I'm telling these stories. And the point for the Rolling in a Series miniseries was to take two snapshots or a couple of snapshots in time and bring out specific lessons or bring out specific um I would say bring out what I now know from being able to reflect on it what I should have learned from that um and kind of relaying that to you as the viewer uh and that I think is is what the rolling in a series mini series represents to me was just number one my attempt in in getting out some some quick you know quick fire content to you guys kind of a and b testing it seeing how you guys you know enjoy that kind of that style of podcasting or if you enjoy more of this or longer form slower pace slower energy lower energy uh kind of episode so that's always why feedback is so important and why i always stress please commenting or contacting me on my website and letting me know what you know you liked or disliked about the episode so I can start to you know fine-tune these and make them made for you my listeners because otherwise I'm just talking out you know to into the you know uh, internet here which is fine with me I, I will do that if I if I have one listener I will do this podcast forever if I have one guy that's just sitting there listening so um t- because to me that's that's enough if I can have one person I can have I can have this ongoing conversation with, or at least this ongoing journey and experience with, then it, it makes it worth it. Um, and uh, with that being said, I, I want to go ahead and close out this episode uh, with something a little upbeat. I'm trying to think of what could be upbeat. Um, if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, you are in the future because I am in the past right now. I've recorded this on Monday morning, so I don't know how the rest of Monday is going to go for me. I'm going to go ahead and say Monday is going to go pretty well. I'm, I'm looking at Monday being a good day, and I'm going to hope in the future that Tuesday, your day for listening to this podcast, will be good as well. But um, you'll probably get this 8 p.m. Tuesday night. So you'll have had the day, you'll have time to re- reflect and kind of uh, meet this challenge with me. When by the time we get there, and I know it won't make sense because you'll be hearing this in the future, so you won't have any way to tell me if this worked. But I'm here talking to you from the past. If you could do something to make the next day, Wednesday, better than Tuesday, figure out what that is tonight after listening to this podcast and do it just one thing. It doesn't need to be a big thing. It could be changing your sheets on your bed or rearranging your room or going to the to a new grocery store and buying something healthy. If you can do one thing on Wednesday that makes you a little bit better that you didn't do on Tuesday, go ahead and do it and see how that feels and see if it does anything for you. If it doesn't, whatever, you know just try it out. But if it does, keep doing that a little more and a little more every day. And even if it doesn't work or you feel like it was stupid or you're definitely not going to do any of the things I'm telling you to do, um, still consider it. Consider just the prospect or the idea of 
improving yourself a little bit every single day. And with that um, challenge, I will leave you. Thanks again for listening. I almost dropped the mic right at the end. And that was the end. With that, bye-bye.